Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Right, what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 181 of uncovering unexplained mysteries for gotta remember the day because when you don't have a job the days kind of run together wednesday april 1st april fools i feel like there should be a joke here somewhere insert some kind of joke i'm not uh pre- not in the mood yeah not in the mood <laughs> not prepared enough um to, a little lazy i guess i know i never re- i never liked april fools jokes i thought they were kind of mean uh, I don't. I don't mind them if they're clever. Some of them are just like really just mean spirited and and not funny to me. But there's others like, for instance, Burger King having a campaign about left-handed burgers or something. Or there's like a, a sports a famous Sports Illustrated uh, piece about this pitcher that was like unbelievably good at throwing a fastball. And he was this nerdy guy, and he actually was at, I think, like a monastery at one point. And it was just so totally fake, but there were actual people who bought into it because it was so well-written and, and they even had photos and everything. Um, yeah, I remember that. I remember oh. there was one April Fool's joke where Maynard James Keenan, the singer of the band Tool, mm-hmm. um came out on Tool's website and said he is now a devout Christian. And that was when I was like 15, I think. Yeah. And my dad, you know, at the time, like he he liked Tool. We all liked Tool. The whole family uh-huh. was fans of Tool. It was just like, oh, did you hear this? You know? <laughs> no, I went and I told him and he goes, he goes, he goes, uh, you know, you should me- uh, hit him up, message him. Yeah, he he might be interested in uh in in jamming with you, you know, and in, in doing your project. You never know. You should you should hit him <laughs> up. Uh, that just that's just like one example of how uh delusions of grandeur. I don't know what you're uh-huh. called. My dad was so out of touch with how the world actually works. Yeah, like in his mind, he was making a very like a legit statement. Like, uh-huh. yeah, you know. Now that you guys both love Jesus, because my dad assumed that I loved Jesus when I was a teenager, <laughs> um, I didn't really have the heart to be like, Dad, I don't really believe in any of that shit. So, Because uh, I tried to tell yeah. him one time when he was driving me home from a party and I was drunk, uh-huh. and I was uh, I was saying something about how I don't really believe in any of that stuff anyway, and my dad's like, whoa, you, you mean like organized religion, right? You don't mean God in general. And I'm like, I saw how upset he was getting. So I was like, yeah, yeah, organized religion. And then he's like, then he goes, oh, I'm glad you said that, son. You, you scared the shit out of me just then, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, he is so serious about this. Yeah. I can't ever, I can't yeah. ever tell him the truth. That's a, well, and then he died. So now I don't have to worry about it. But, uh, you know, that sounded insensitive, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it like that. 
I, but, but then it, he died, and I don't have to worry about but it, that. It is so. true. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but, you know, aside from that, I am sad that he's gone. I miss him. But, you know, I, oh, yeah. I, I also, you know, on the upside, if there is one, that I, I don't have to worry about telling him that I'm not uh-huh. Christian anymore. This well, so, if he's looking down at you from above, he probably knows that. Already. That whole tenant about your deceased loved ones looking down at you all the time and watching is one of the creepiest parts. I know it is. It is. That's why I brought it up. One of the because... creepiest parts of Christianity I think I've ever yeah. heard. First of all, the disgusting shit that I do to myself yeah, on a day-to-day basis. Doing the podcast butt naked sometimes. Yeah, it's just or smelling all the various parts of my body out of boredom. The fucking, uh, just all the internet porn, just the weird experimentations I went through at various phases. I don't want my dad or my grandma looking at any of that shit. <laughs> or Jesus, for that matter. None of them. Like, yeah. like, don't look at me, ever. You know? Like, it can be like a, like a phone. You can hear me, only, like, voice voice <laughs> only, and when, when I call you, or you call me, or uh-huh. whatever, I don't fucking know, but... yeah. What a so, weird way to start out this podcast, yeah. but... Well, I mean, it's a weird podcast. It's, so, a, it's weird times know. we're living in, Mike. It's weird times. Oh, very weird times. Jesus um, Christ, this fucking... Like, a month ago, I think we were... Everyone was kind of, like, laughing about it, and... I know, I made some... It's po- no laughing matter. I made a post, like, a month ago that pissed some people off. I was like, I can't believe this fucking overreactionary uh, pa- mm-hmm. panic-demic. Yeah, I blah, that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And... Most people were, like, with me, but there was a few people who were, like, really, really? And, like, this, yeah, so, like, uh huh. now, you know, and look, not everybody had all the information a month ago that, I love all these people who like to sit there and act like they knew all along that was- Well, yeah, like a guy who who took the time out of his day in the middle of a statewide pandemic to give me shit- on my review of Outbreak, because I mentioned that the coronavirus didn't mutate in the same way as the virus in the film did. And then he's just giving me shit saying it did mutate. You're 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 fucking full of shit and you're you know, you're ignorant or whatever. And then I'm like, I I'm not talking about how it doesn't mutate at all. I'm saying that it didn't mutate in the exact fashion as the film portrayed. I'm saying it isn't a realistic portrayal of how a virus mutates. Viruses do mutate. That's a normal thing. However, rarely do they mutate so quickly that they change the form of transmission, which is what happens with the Mataba virus in the movie Outbreak. This guy's giving me all kinds of shit, and I even brought up the fact that even the professor for my disease and epidemiology class... Uh, Miss Hewlett, who actually was on the front lines in Africa during the first Ebola outbreak, even she has said that that's not a realistic form of transmission or of mutation. And the guy still came back with me, came back to me and was saying, I'm a dumbass. And all this other fucking shit. Oh, really? People. So, so I eventually, I eventually blocked the guy because I was just like, "Fuck you!" And I don't. I, I got enough stress to deal with with all this shit. I don't need to deal with your dumbass. The other really unfortunate thing is the a combination of isolation and the fact that a lot of people have lost uh, their their uh, their jobs. 
right now. I found I found myself um, getting snappy today at uh, my bandmate Stephanie because mm-hmm. uh, she's we were going to do we've been doing these live streams every Friday yeah. where we're playing these acoustic sets because we're trying to make some money from donations or people buying merch or whatever. Because yeah. so how's that doing? Uh, it's been doing fine. You know, we've made a we we've made a you know couple hundred bucks every time we do. Hey. You know that that's good. I mean, that'll help you save that up. It might help you pay your rent. Or, yeah, I you know no, it will food. help help with everything. So we've been yeah. doing these, and and you know I've been trying to keep them to Friday so people know it, it's it happens the same time every week mm-hmm. and get people used to being on a schedule. And um, you know, then uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida enacted the uh, the shut the mandatory shutdown. Uh, yep. stay inside thing like today stay at home order yeah stay like, at home I, order. I got one of those already so i've had it for the past few days oh yeah so we that's that's happened today and apparently if you know if you can get stopped and you know if you don't have proper documentation then you can get a two to five hundred dollar fine yeah and so now stephanie's like well i can't come over friday now because of this and she's half the band you know vocally and all so it's like well She's like, well, I could. Is there a way you could you could do something uh, through Skype or some other sort of streaming thing and kind of try to with the la- test that with out? the lag and the delay and all that? We, we yeah, we, we, could, we couldn't do a musical I performance. I was just, I was just throwing we, that. We could out do there. like a podcast, but we wouldn't be able to do like a musical performance. Yeah, um, so I think she's gonna come over Thursday though, because she's already gonna be in Jacksonville for some reason. Okay. so she's just gonna risk it on Thursday. But Friday, she would have had to have driven from. St. Yeah. Augustine to Florida and blah, blah or, or to Florida to Jacksonville. Yeah, there's a lot of adjusting that's going on for a lot of different people. I mean, for instance, like uh, all the hours for cashier and floor has been completely cut. Um, we are still open. I'm surprised we're only you guys open, are still open as uh, um, pickup curbside pickup. Oh, you're doing that? Okay, I got you. It's curbside pickup only and. Uh, very limited hours, and most of them are just taken up by the managers. Uh, I am on a list of uh, employees that are okay with working uh, if any hours come up, but uh, other than that, just not not a whole lot of uh, positive things to really say. Hey, man, be thanking your fucking um, lucky stars right now that you live with your mom rent I do, I am. I, I am so blessed right now. Uh, and normally I don't, I'm not a religious person, but I think that is a very fitting term to yeah. use, uh, because of the fact that I live with my parents and my mom works at an essential, uh, business. She's, she's, a, she works in the medical field Yeah, and she already has, uh, gotten a significant pay raise in the past because she actually went to school, uh, online and so through my mom's uh, income we're able to to afford to live here and all the other necessities that we might possibly need so yeah you you have there's a lot of people who are in really really bad shape right yeah, now yeah i'm about to be one of them i just had to pay rent cuz it's the first i just had to pay yeah. rent today and that was $1,064. Now I'm down to about $500 and no uh-huh. no work in sight. No work in sight. I called my... Did you file your taxes already? Uh-huh. I owe money. Good. With the kind of oh. job I have, I owe money. I don't Ooh, get money. Okay. 
I'm, well, I'm, you, I'm an independent how much contractor. Money do you, how much money did you make, though? Because you might be eligible for that stimulus thing. Oh, no, I will be. I, I it, it definitely wasn't anywhere near 75000 Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll be... I, I should be... If I'm not eligible for that, I am, I am seriously fucked. Yeah. Like, I'm not paying anybody anything. Because after this... Well, here's the thing. I, I, I think the country, and I think a lot of the rent uh, companies, a lot of the other people involved in, with this kind of stuff they're going to realize the situation and there there's going to be some sort of stay that's going to be put on things or you can pay it later because i i just don't see this especially with people who are renting homes businesses should be offered the same help but they haven't been unless they're a big business you know they have a wall street connection or something but uh, because there's a lot of small businesses right now that are hurting or are just dead. The problem, the problem is with the Restaurants whole with the whole rent are, thing are, and bars. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to talk, Mike, and you just keep that. going. Um, Sorry, <laughs> you're. I know it's been a while since we talked because uh, ah. <laughs> the, once you start, man, you will not stop. If you hear my voice, you'll just keep. I'm talking. like a chatty caffy doll. Yeah, with a broken string. No, the just like the ack, ack. The problem <laughs> is with the whole rent situation is unlike, say, a car loan. That is a loan that you took out in a lump sum that you are eventually going to pay off for that car in a in a finite period of time with rent it's not like that it's not like a loan that you've taken out it's just a bill that has to be paid every month so even if they um they would almost they would literally have to waive the fee the rent for that month just well, waive it some, completely because that has happened in some uh states i think well it didn't happen with my company because they sent us a letter about the whole COVID-19 thing. And they're like, oh, you know, we just want to say we're here to help in whatever way we can. And blah, 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 blah. But still, give us your, yeah, give us your money. Yeah. With that being said, rent's due <laughs> on the first. So, uh, you know, yeah. the only consolation they extended was uh, they would waive the first two weeks of, of late fees. Uh, so okay. it's like, I can wait two weeks, but either way, I owe them a thousand dollars and then that's just fucking lame yeah because here's the thing well it doesn't help they me are, it doesn't help were, they, me like because well, they are relying upon people right now who aren't reliable to pay rent so you're not gonna get your money either way so just fucking put a hold on it or just wave it yeah because the the banks or the people who are over the landlords who are wanting money from them for you know say to pay the mortgage on the house i'm living in they're gonna they they're in the same situation too they realize that everybody is fucked it doesn't matter who you are there's it's not like you know it's like a hurricane where it's only limited to a certain part of the country it's everybody everybody is fucked and this whole like I'll uh, say not. I mean, there are some individuals. Yeah, you know, some certain, some people are got know. really in like in your specific situation. You got really lucky. I know with your mom and everything. And and my friend Trey, who uh, used to work at the, he used to be a karaoke DJ like me. Uh, like a few months before the coronavirus, before there was. Yeah, I heard uh, you talk about this. Yeah, yeah, before there was ever even word of the coronavirus, my friend start like wanted to get a day job because he was tired of being a DJ or whatever. So he started working at Wells Fargo. And he got out right in time because right when he got on pretty much a full time position with Wells Fargo is when all this happened. And now he's able yep. to work from home from home 
and he's still making money and everything's fine for him. But all of us DJs out here, we're just yeah, we're just like uh, fuck. Because if they if they make if they hold off a rent payment, but then make you pay double the next month, that doesn't help anybody either. No, it doesn't. So like that technique isn't going to do jack shit. They're going to have to just waive the fee completely or or do nothing at all. Now with my car loan, I was able to defer two months of payment, so that's good. So I'll just have two months tacked on at the end of my lease that I'll have to pay. Fine. Okay. That's fine. That's that's fair. Whatever. Um, and there's certain things you can do that with, but for those bills that are just, they're just a, a fee, a fine you have uh, yeah. uh, to pay, like for your. Well, I mean, I still had to pay my internet bill. Like, through yeah, Comcast. internet. Like, they didn't have any. Uh, electric. These are things you're never going to pay off. These are services that are being provided to you that are constant, that cannot be paid off, unlike a house or a car. So yeah. if they're holding back fees on those, they're just not getting money while you're still using their service. See, with the car loan, the deferment with that, it's like they're still going to get their money from me at the end of the lease. You know, it's I'll, I'll have the, uh-huh. you know, so it, it makes sense. But yeah, it's um, it's a, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting <laughs> to say the least. Um, I got some people I got a wedding April 20th. Thankfully, they're still going through with it. OK, um, that's going to be a, a pretty high paying wedding. So that will be something. Um, but honestly, if you guys want to, uh, donate, uh, or buy any of my band's merch in the meantime, I'm going to put my cash app and Venmo and PayPal information in the description of this podcast, because you're literally directly supporting me right now. Um, cause I'm not making any money. So, and if this shit goes on long enough, then I'm going to have to start looking around for some shitty minimum wage job, you know, cause I don't, yeah. and it's gotta be a job that's even open. It's crazy, man. I don't, I don't know. I, know. I don't know what the fuck, but, um, yeah. I mean, even when things calm down, like you might not have as much work to do in right. your field. Some of, anyway. some of my gigs might be closed, you know, some, and some of the be bars other might instances be where, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of spikes in people who just don't want to, do those kinds of things well, for a while. I think they'll want to do it, but they won't be able to afford to do it because they're going to be well, so yeah. backlogged with that all their too. shit. They, but I think some people will just be really leery and and for quite a while until they feel comfortable. I don't know, man. I think I think public. some overly cautious people will, but I think as soon as the government gives the green light that we're open for business again, I think people are going to run the fuck out of their houses. Well, yeah, I definitely think a number there are that we have not seen in a long time yeah. because I always blamed back when when I was playing shows and shit, you know, and 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 blame the fact that there wasn't a lot of people that would come out to shows anymore. I blame Netflix and all that because people have so much competition to keep them at home. <laughs> They're going to be so fucking tired of They're going to be so sick of Netflix and Hulu <laughs> by the end of this. They're going to be craving to go the fuck out of their house <laughs> and do some shit. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And honestly, I felt I felt like in general, like there was just too much media and entertainment out there for a while like these deadlines to constantly there's gonna be massive repercussions in in other industries because of this i mean uh i don't think movie theaters are going to be the same i think there's going to be a new model where there's going to be digital uh releases uh, around the same time as theatrical releases maybe there'll be a theatrical release for the first two weeks and then there'll be a digital release after that um 
Think of all the new music that's going to drop all at once because all these yes. all these rappers, all these pop queens, all these country artists, everybody, they've all got new shit that they, because, yeah. you know, it's the springtime and that's when a lot of people start yeah. doing spring tours and summer tours and then you get into festival season in the summer and all that's being canceled. So when it finally yeah. opens back up, there are, the floodgates of media and entertainment are going to open because a lot yeah. of artists... Uh, management companies don't want to put out any albums right now because they don't have the machinery behind it to promote it like they would want to with touring and going on talk shows and all that. So they're just holding back all over the place. Well, that's why a lot of these films have been pushed to 2021. Yeah, so I mean... I don't know. It's 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 definitely an interesting social experiment. It's a... There's a lot of... I think... I think, um... Like, social analysts... And behavioral yeah. analysts will get a lot of psychiatrists. Yeah, yeah they'll get a lot of um, well, like well needed or much needed info about human behavior. From, Absolutely, from seeing this whole thing. I think there's going to be for the individuals that are considered to be uh, extroverts. Um, they are going to struggle with this uh, a lot more than the introverted individuals that are kind of used to just being alone and just by themselves anyway <laughs> i feel like i have a dual citizenship when it comes to introvert extrovert like i uh-huh. i can i can shift in and out of both honestly i mean well yeah i think there are individuals there are uh people like you as well but there's there are there are individuals out there that are just straight up yeah like, extroverts and oh yeah for they sure. need social interaction they're turning to alcohol they need to a lot of the ex- a yeah. lot of my extrovert friends are turning to alcohol. They're getting drunk. And that's not good. No, I know. They're getting drunk every night. They're gaining weight. They're, you know, yeah. they're saying, you know, fuck it, let's meet up at so and so's house and you know, blah blah and and um like the people on the spring break videos like Yeah. Corona, no corona, bro. I mean, like I'm going to go out I'm and not go- party. I'm not going to sit there and be the first person <laughs> to insult those people cuz I get it. You know, they have been planning yeah. that shit for a long time and they're young and they feel invincible and uh-huh. they think, "Oh, even if it does happen, you know, I'm probably going to be fine." And they probably will be, but they're also helping spread it and you know, yeah. I, I basically I- At least they're not the one teen that licked a toilet seat and and uh did it for clout on social media and then ironically wound up in the hospital with coronavirus oh that's hilarious <laughs> poetic justice at its finest yes. jesus but yeah i don't know so, man uh speaking of the type of people that would look a toilet seat well i was uh, my segue was going to be <laughs> speaking of something that is also spreading like the coronavirus yes <laughs> this goddamn Two great segue this goddamn show man tiger king i, I keep hearing about it everywhere like it is, I literally like. I, Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> do you think that uh, I? I feel like somehow Tiger King and the coronavirus are going to somehow be forever locked together because this was like <laughs> the documentary to watch, and everyone happened to be home, and yeah. it was just like two. It's like the everything, like the clouds aligned, all the pieces mm-hmm. aligned at like the perfect time, and I will just say. My first, like, to, my, to sum up my kind of reaction is, I don't think this is the greatest uh, documentary or whatever that I've ever seen. Well, I, I don't think it's the greatest documentary I've ever seen either, but it, it is still a well-put-together, uh, interesting, 
fairly compelling documentary series yeah. with I mean, a very charismatic, right. flamboyant, and memorable uh, character Which, or series of characters. You know, these these kinds of documentaries have been done before a lot. Yes. This is not by any means the, the first but, of, of its kind. And I'll, I will say again, I grew up in the South, so watching this documentary, I, I already said this, this before. Florida Man, I, the documentary. <laughs> I just like, I, I've said this a few times on social media, I literally feel like I'm watching a documentary about my dad and a bunch of his friends. Like, <laughs> that's what this reminds like, I know all these people, not, you know. What, you know the gay uh, redneck tiger Dude, uh, before king? all this, this virus broke out, I DJed a... A, a bear gay bar every Friday. There were plenty of yeah. old gay men who were who were definitely fit the profile of uh, of uh, Joe Exotic. So, oh, okay. uh, yes, to answer your question, I do know these people. They probably weren't Tiger Kings, though. I'm sure to the rest of the country, this is some kind of a sideshow kind of. Let's well, yeah. Look- for me, like I didn't have any experience or exposure to this kind of this side of the south oh yeah i, so I knew it was just I've, total yeah uh totally new to me um, these are my fucking relatives you know i'm I, i'm just watching this documentary going yeah i don't see what the big deal is like i i knew people like this like you know like i said my dad and his friends and shit it wasn't exotic animals but it was you know the, the same level of um i don't think it's just their personality or or who they are i think it's also the story you know, it's something straight out of a soap opera from the 80s. Oh, yeah, definitely. It really is. I mean, and how all the tiger exotic animal curators all knew the same shit about Carol yes. Baskin. And it was just this common knowledge that, oh, yeah, she killed her husband. And it, that bitch. It was just so um, just. I think another thing that like interests people about it is how there's a fucking community for everything nowadays. Yes, there's the a big cat community. The, I mean, who would have thought that there was this competitive scene in the big cat collecting community? I I would have never thought. Hey, there's a there's scenes in the VHS collecting community. Trust I, me, I know, <laughs> I, and, and, I, and I I know that now through knowing you. Before that, I had no fucking idea. I'm like, yeah, no one gives a shit about VHS tapes anymore. And then Mike's like, hold my beer, you know? <laughs> you know it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I learned you could probably do a Tiger King documentary series on some of these fucking VHS collectors. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you know they pride like, oh, look at how. Uh, pristine. Look at how, ma- how look at how many copies of Three on a Meat Hook I have, and look how pristine like the corners of the cardboard boxes, and how there's no <laughs> fraying, and how the you know blah blah. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure. I've meticulously recreated my hometown rental store in my basement. Has someone done that? Someone actually did recreate a, a, a rental store in their basement. Oh yes. wow! Well, James Rolfe did that. Uh, yeah, video but- game nerd. Yeah, so anyway, every- he's at least doing videos. Yeah, in yeah, that he's set. yeah, exactly. He's at least you he's not just uh god, how freaked out would it, uh your date be if you brought your date to see your uh, uh your basement video rental store, <laughs> your video dungeon. It's one thing to be like, "Oh yeah, I shoot videos here and make money and people and thousands of people see it." Oh, okay, that's understandable. But no, nobody knows about this except me and you. And like a few other people, welcome. Yeah, that would be. I don't know if they're wealthy. And I, you can, you can, since you know me, like you can rent that some of the titles. Since you know me, but, I'm gonna waive the late fees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And make sure to be kind and rewind. You don't even have to rewind, baby. I've got... That was the weirdest thing when I found out there was a machine that was specifically built just to rewind tapes. Ones that look like race cars, too. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, but so anyway, this documentary, there's a goddamn community for everything. And there's, hey, come to find out, there's a big cat community. And everyone knows everyone, seemingly. All the big players. And they all seem to know... That uh, Carol Baskin. You think we're uh, one of the big players in the Unsolved Mysteries community? I think we're a player. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as big, like, podcasters of the show Unsolved Mysteries, I mean, uh, yeah, it would be like us and Robin and. Uh huh. I mean, I guess perhaps it's you. I haven't looked at. Yeah. I haven't looked at their numbers in a while. Not like I give a shit about any of that stuff, but, you know, uh-huh. whatever. But yeah, I mean. Well, I mean, who else has gotten a cease and desist order from that? You know? That is my one claim to fame with this you podcast. I got a cease and desist <laughs> order directly from the lawyers of John and Terry, um, the executive <laughs> producer of Unsolved Mysteries. So yeah. So what? Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> that really does authenticate us more than uh, any other podcast, as far as I'm concerned. Now we're just they know around. we exist. We're just fucking around. Um. But yeah, this this series definitely does unveil this big cat community and how they would just fight each other like big cats in in captivity. Like there's some imagery that's used I think I think in the last episode that shows a a series of shots of tigers in tight enclosed uh captivity just fighting one another in slow motion and that's the big cat community as represented in tiger king first of all i don't understand aside from maybe monetary gain i don't understand Mm. what the what the allure of having these animals that can easily maul your ass to bits i understand the appeal of having them in your yard collecting them yeah, uh, the whole all the all the risk, all the it's, liability. It's a status symbol. Yeah, it, it clearly was, and that was a weird thing that I got from watching this documentary is the status that they all felt they had. And then I feel like it's to the big cat clout. I feel like to the outside world, like looking in, I think most people are just like, uh, yeah, that's kind of cool, I guess, but I really don't care. But to them, the like, you yeah. know, like some of uh, Joe Exotic's employees would be like, yeah, I mean, he said that I could. Uh, walk a big cat on a leash, and uh, whenever I would do that, uh, I would feel powerful and blah blah. Yeah, and how many people can say they done that? And I'm like, how many people want to say that they've been able to do that? It'd be I like, mean, how many people want to say that they've uh, walked a crocodile or an alligator on a leash? Yeah, like, uh, oh, I, I, uh, you know, I don't know, I fucking got in a fight with a bear and want or and didn't get killed how many people can say that yeah no one wants to say that no one no one wants to be able to say that. i mean no i wouldn't say no one some people they they would love to say that and they would brag about well it yeah constantly. probably in america america at least yeah i'm sure yeah but um yeah i, I don't that, it yeah there's there's this documentary definitely is not lacking in the bizarre uh, characters and the bizarre mentality, and like a lot of these documentaries, they do such a good job uh, hooking you and uh, just making you want to binge watch the entire thing because they they really do a, a wonderful job in building things up and revealing certain things at certain points. 
that just make every episode have something juicy or something interesting about it that keeps you watching. What's crazy, too, is like a lot of these documentaries. seven episodes. Yeah, a lot of these documentaries and docu-series that you find on like Netflix and Hulu and all that these days. The filming had to have started like years ago yes. to get all the footage. I mean, Making a Murderer, Making a Murderer yeah. was a project that took, what, 10 years? Yeah. At least? Yeah, like, it's like, how do you, before there was even like streaming platforms really in place on the level that it needed to be at for it to get as wide of an audience as it does now, how would you have the foresight to be like, I'm going to record this rando who who's who's weird, and yeah. uh, I'm going to just be on their ass 24 seven. I'm going to catch as much as I can, compile it all, edit. I mean, Jesus, talk about like a uh, like a, a passion project. Like you would have to, you would have to. Now for Tiger King, the advantage that the filmmakers had for this docu series was Joe Exotic captured everything on camera yeah he had he had so yes. much hd footage of just bullshit he would do around his uh zoo whether good or bad dumb and then or not his uh podcast yeah the, his his little live podcast video podcast that he would do he has so th- that would be a documentarian's dream is to work with someone who has yes. that much raw copyright free footage that you can just use in your documentary you don't got to worry about anyone Besides Joe himself, you know, signing off on it, but I'm sure they, you know, got him to do that fairly easily with, you know, a couple hundred bucks and like the promise of fame or whatever. I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, in this documentary, they definitely had that advantage. And even Carol Baskin, who is also a uh, animal. uh, I don't I don't. What is she an animal rights activist? She's not. She's not with PETA, but she's. Uh, she's got, she has her own big cats too, but apparently it's different for her because she's not yeah. making money off of it. Although she has her own web series and her whole, her own side hustle, but whatever. Uh, she has a lot of footage herself that they were able to call from. So, um, there was just a wealth of, um, and then the, the icing on the cake was Joe Exotic's cringy ass music career. I mean, that was gold. <laughs> yes. That was pure, that was pure gold. And, Yes. It was almost so bad that it was like, oh, you know, this is almost this is almost troll level bad. Like this is almost yeah. too bad. But then it's like there's But once you get to know him, you realize like this is something he thought was like badass. Yeah. But, yeah. And like and the whole like great. riding around in his truck listening to his own music when he feels stressed <laughs> yeah. out. Well, he has a tiger in 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 uh, the passenger seat. I felt bad because I could relate to that. I've listened to I, I listen to my own music sometimes. Yeah, but I put so much work into it. I just kind of want to hear my 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 finished uh-huh. my finished art piece. You're I guess. like I'm not like Joe Exotic. I'm not that yeah. loser driving around in his car listening to my own music. Yeah, that's why I remember that part so much because it's like, damn it, I do that too. Fuck, <laughs> he's got me on that one. <laughs> so anyway, there are seven parts to uh, this series. We're gonna give our thoughts on the first two uh, episodes and a little bit on uh, Joe Exotic's music career. And then uh, we will uh, pick up uh, from where we left off in the next part. Because this is going to be, at the very least, a two-part series. Might be more than that. Don't know for sure, right off the top of my head. Um, But there's a lot to cover. Uh, There's a lot of stripes on this cat. Oh, my God. That was good. (laughs) <laughs> that was like a on the fly dad joke. 
So episode one is called Not Your Average Joe, and that's definitely true. It has a little quote here. It says, monkey people a little different. Big cat people are backstabbing are backstabbing pieces of shit. <laughs> Specifically, big cat people. Yeah, Just monkey something... people, you know, they're weird. But big cat people, man. Something inherent about their DNA that they want to collect big cats, but they also want to stab you in the back. It's it, they are, and they, they also are, are tied like together. massive narcissists. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, well, look what they're collecting—a big. They're collecting big a cats. A big orange striped thing that's a, basically a billboard. Endangered animals. Billboard and not saying, only "Look just at me." Tigers, ligers too. Yeah, you know which, another rare breeds like white leopards which, and stuff. First like of that. all, let me just say, me and everyone else that was my age back when we saw Napoleon Dynamite, we thought ligers were a made-up thing for that. Yeah, movie. that's what I thought too. Yeah, I thought that too until I did some research and I'm like, oh my god, ligers are real. Yeah, I think most people thought ligers were a made up thing off of Napoleon Dynamite because it just seemed like something that that character would have come up with. Yeah. God damn, it's a real thing. So we're introduced to Joe uh, Scribevogel. That's a German word, it's Scribevogel. Okay. AKA Joe Exotic via phone call from the Grady County Jail because it even starts out like, Oh shit, something went down. He's in jail. Yeah. He was accused of involvement in a murder for hire plot against a well known animal rights activist, and he is being threatened with a 79 year sentence. It's a bit excessive. No story ever starts with a man in jail. This story spans years and years of feuding, way before Netflix decided to ask what is going on with people keeping big cats in this country. Back in 2014, a man with a mullet, eyebrow ring, and a baby tiger in hand appears on the screen. This is Joe Exotic. And he is such a freak of nature. He's got the mullet. He's got the, you know, he's got, eyebrow ring. He's got the, the eyebrow ring that is like like three gauges too big for any yeah. eyebrow ring that anyone should have. And he's had it for so long that it's starting to like droop down his eyebrow like... He's got a glittery, a glittery, uh, flamboyant shirt, and he's got a limp because apparently he got in a car accident uh, at one point in his life, and it's uh, insinuated in, a, in another article that it was a suicide attempt. Well, and you got to feel for the guy because he's talking about, you know, uh, when he came out as gay, uh, he's, you know, he said, uh, my father had me shake my shake his hand in the kitchen and promise that I wouldn't show up to his funeral. You know? Yeah. I mean, so it's like the dude had some demons and then his brother dies. And so Uh the guy's been through some shit, you know, so it's like. You know, that doesn't excuse some of his uh, manipulative sociopathic No, it doesn't excuse uh, behavior, it, but it but... certainly it certainly guides you to how he ended up that way. Exactly. Uh you know, he's not some inhuman you know monster. He's a uh, flawed. I mean, quite frankly, he comes off as very likable. I think that's why everyone keeps uh sharing memes of him and this that and the yeah. others. Yes, he is ridiculous, but he also has a very uh, bo- he has a dark side too, though. He's got a very buoyant personality. He seems very, you know, just like the kindly uh, Southern uncle, you know, that everyone just. Well, at first, yeah, but you know, when things really start to fall apart, that that really starts to fall away, and uh, it makes you wonder if it was just an act, and that wasn't really 
the real Joe Exotic. So, yeah, he's just this flamboyant, crazy figure. Um, I, I would totally see the actor Michael Keaton playing Joe Exotic and just absolutely nailing the role if they did a movie, a Tiger King movie. He's around the right age. He even looks from similar in terms of facial features. He has the right range in terms of his ability to play these kind of charismatic characters that have these darker, more sinister sides to them. Yeah. So, um, Joe Exotic began building the Greater Wynwood Exotic Animal Park, the GW Zoo, in 1999, and is now home to almost 200 big cats and other exotic animals. Well, it was at the time. His staff, described as a family of misfits, is introduced to us one by one. There's Eric, uh, John, a.k.a. Rink, and Kelsey, a.k.a. Saf. Apparently, Kelsey is now... uh, trans and she wants to be known as Saf and uh be preferred uh be referred to under male pronouns. Was that the one who had the stump for an arm? Yeah. yeah okay. I don't know if that's the so politically each, correct term, but sorry. Stump. <laughs> each member of this family seems to have two things in common. They came to GW Zoo in need of a place to belong and their unwavering love for these cats. Um, the guy who lost his legs, like he's like the, the best person in this entire documentary. Yeah, probably so. That's what was the other guy, the, the train, the other trainer guy, uh, Saf seems to be, he's fine too, but it seems like the trainers are the ones for the most part that seem to have, uh, the, the most desirable traits compared to everyone else. Apparently they're um, they apparently they are uh, developing Tiger King into a mini series, yeah, like yep. a fictional series. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So, yeah, the the you could definitely tell that they had a love for these cats, um, and it, you can argue that the trainers, as things really started to crumble around Joe Exotic's empire. They were the ones that were keeping things up, and they were the things they were the uh, ones that were keeping things in place, and they were the ones that cared about the animals the most. So apparently, it is illegal to keep big cats and other exotic animals as pets in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. So if you're in any of those states, sorry, can't be a Tiger King. So at least. Yeah. The love Joe Exotic has for these cats is very apparent, at least at first. I mean, they show a lot of footage of him snuggling with the tigers and petting them and and genuinely showing compassion for them. He believes that people will protect what directly affects them. So if you hold a baby tiger and look it in the eyes, how could you not feel the need to save the rainforest? He hosts a live stream each night on Joe Exotic TV to talk about two things, his love for his cats and his hatred for that bitch, Carol Baskin. (laughs) That bitch, Carol Baskin. Yeah. (laughs) I knew you would do the best impression. (laughs) I just have to have lines to say, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't I don't want to freestyle it yet. 
So, uh, Baskin, a flower crown wearing animal rights activist and the owner of Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida, has a mission to save animals that are bred to be kept in cages like the ones at the GW Zoo. Because she's an animal rights uh, activist and she goes to uh, Washington to do uh, meetings with high uh, profile uh, politicians. She also runs a cat sanctuary. She doesn't actually breed the cats there and so on and so forth. But she originally started out doing that because that's this was a whole thing that her husband at the time was into. But she eventually decided against uh, breeding and selling cats. She she wants to paint herself as the as an innocent as someone in this big cat community who isn't on the same level of crazy as these others but she really isn't she's just a different form of crazy her shit stinks a little less yeah or or um, or she's shitting more secretly or not as out in the open as everyone else she covers it up. Yeah. More discreetly. So the there ultimately wound up being a feud between Joe Exotic and Carol. Like he really hated her. So the feud began in 2006. Joe Exotic was traveling around to shopping malls showing off his animals and making a good chunk of change in the process doing this traveling tiger magic show because he was doing magic that he was uh, taught by this kid that he came to know who taught him how to do these magic tricks and he was going to these malls and in probably the south exclusively to do show off tigers and and I guess he thought he was Chris Angel uh, tiger freak but anyway, uh, Carol would email and then encourage others to reach out to the owners of the malls to refuse his traveling show. The malls would then become overwhelmed with emails that Joe and his show would get banned, and the cycle would continue. And this was because Carol had this massive following because she was a YouTube sensation with her, uh, what was it, Big Cat Rescue, Big Cat Rescue channel. I will say this, as a character... Joe Exotic's a much more entertaining person to watch do do his thing than Carol Baskin. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't I don't Carol, understand what her appeal is at all, honestly. Yeah, Carol Baskin is is she's like your mom or or your uh, aunt or or your school teacher. Yeah. She had, she had like hardcore Hillary Clinton vibes to me. Yeah, a little bit of that too. Like she just kind of like just kind of. Hey, you cool cats and kittens, you know. <laughs> and anytime, you know, she always just kind of downplayed everything. She's like, yeah, you know, he said this, that, and the other, but, you know, blah, blah, this, that. Like, she just kind of, it was very dismissive, seemed like a very dismissive yeah. person in general, just kind of, like, downplayed everything. Even allegations that she murdered her husband, she's like, yeah, they've been saying that, but, you know, it's ridiculous. Of course I didn't do it. And it's like, are you, do you have, are you, like, sedated right now? Like, can you get... But, I mean, when she says things like, uh, oh, you know, 
You got to put like sardine oil on on the on the shoes or whatever if you're gonna have a tiger eat somebody you're like well why do you know that knowledge carol (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i thought that was kind of uh that was like slightly telling um and (laughs) so yeah there's just this crazy feud that that started uh, going on and joe would accuse carol of different things and things would just escalate further and further he would go on his podcast and talk about Carol and accuse her of killing her husband and and uh, demand her to show everybody what's in the septa tank. Because <laughs> it was believed that the husband was, uh, his remains were put in the septic tank. And here's the thing, like, if if that's not true, just do a live stream of your own, Carol, and just show that there's nothing in there. But she doesn't do that. So, but isn't isn't that remains. giving into trolls one hundred and one though? Yeah, that that is giving it into trolls. Doing what they but, tell you to do. But here's and the they... thing: that's ultimately what this whole thing it wound up being. It's just Joe Exotic's a fucking troll, and Carol had all this money that she got from her dead husband, so she was able to drag things out and do all this legal bullshit and so on and so forth, and. If she just ignored his ass, he would have burned out anyway. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that, you know, she she took an active measure in fucking up his income by warning yeah. all these malls that he was going to. Oh, well, yeah, for that sure. That he's, you know, an animal abuser and, you know, mm-hmm. don't let him perform at your mall. So See, I don't necessarily get the whole, oh, it's animal abuse to have people around tigers... And like petting tigers or something. I, I I mean, I get raising them for captivity could be considered to be a form of abuse. But is that action strictly abuse? I, I don't know. I, I, it's not like they're strangling tigers or not letting people do S&M with baby tigers or some shit. Oh God, so I don't, I, I don't really. <laughs> why would you even I think mean, that? We just got an insight into Mike's sick, twisted world. I, Enjoy that, everybody. I'm, I'm not into that shit. I'm just I'm just using an extreme uh image. Seem very specific. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just I'm 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 just here to report the news, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um so yeah, I don't under do do you do you see that as abuse? Um I'd have to go back and like rewatch like what what they were saying was so wrong about what he was doing. Um, I, I honestly I, I watched the series one time. There was so many things being thrown at me at any given point that yeah, that's one thing about the series. There is a lot of yeah. I mean, stuff all I on. really know is that she somehow fucked up his little dog and pony show that he was doing at these malls with these animals, and that's kind of what started the whole feud between the two. Uh, I think she worked in some form of uh, government in Tampa um, that somehow um, somehow she had some kind of influence over possible livelihoods of other uh, exotic animal owners or whatever. I don't whatever. think she worked in, in a government uh, capacity. She just knew people. She was a lobbyist or something. With... I don't know. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, that's so all I really anyway... know about it. All right. That's cool. 
So they would uh, continue their feud, but however, it was not just a feud that involved just the two of them. PETA was apparently on Carol's side, um, and PETA, that's a whole other story. But uh, they're they're not. Uh, let's just say they're they're not squeaky clean either. Peta terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, the the lengths that they're willing to go through, go to sometimes, mm-hmm. and of course they're going to sit there and say, "Oh, that that wasn't that wasn't us," or "Oh, that was a fringe member." But I don't mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think that they're very much about you know going to extremes that yes. that could potentially be illegal. Um, yeah. you know, if you cross them, if you get on their radar. So like, yeah, I'm yep. pretty, I'm pretty afraid of them. I don't, I definitely don't want to piss them off. I don't either. But, uh, so anyway, uh, Peter was on Carol's side and a man named Doc Antle, a fellow private zoo, no- zoo owner was on Joe's. Doc Antle, like, <clears throat> this guy is like a lot like Penn from Penn and Teller. I could see that. As if, uh... <laughs> He ran a tiger cult, and 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 the the series totally exposes him. And he's actually asked a question by the, one of the filmmakers at one point. It's kind of like, like a leading question, and yeah. he sees where they're going with it. He's like, "Look, if you're trying to if you're trying to get me to say this is a fucking cult, then you're you're barking up the wrong tree. I've I've done I've done this way too long. To uh, I, you know, I've I've heard it all before. This is this isn't a cult. People can come and go as they please." Which is what they always say in cults. Exactly. And and, and the knowledge that we get, like, it seems like he runs a fucking tiger cult to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, the women, you know, he's, he's, you know, got all these attractive women who, you know, work at his little, you know, co- tiger commissary, whatever. Commune. Commune, there you go, that's the word I was looking for. Um and you know they're all attractive, and he, they're talking to. They're interviewing one of the ex members, and she's talking about how, like, you know, that she she pretty much was uh, coerced into getting breast implants, and she didn't really want them, but the thought of having, you know, two weeks of recovery time where she could just sleep was appealing to her because she had been. They had been working for like you know they would work yeah. these sixteen and eighteen hour days with you know very little pay or no pay at all, and. Um, horrible working conditions i mean cockroaches and all kinds of just nasty shit and you know they're they're asking her you know oh you know or she said something like oh people say why didn't you just leave well there's not it's not like just one big thing where you can just leave it's all these other little kind of things that you get into once you're there that you know keep you compelled to stay and you know like like a fucking cult. <laughs> yeah, well, that really made sense to me. I, I never really thought about it like that. And then I was like, you know what? That's true because they're like, like when you, especially if you grow up in a religion like Scientology or something, there, yeah. th- like everyone you know, there's so so many, uh, like just practical things like a place to live. You know, where where are you gonna yeah. get your food? Well, I mean, he Doc Antle. Once you rose up the ladder, uh, if you pleased him enough, in more ways than one. You were able to get your own place on his property. Yeah. I mean, for these young women who uh, didn't really have a place to go to and uh, wanted to live their own lives and were really big fans of cats, 
That was something that definitely appealed to them. And you can bet Doc Antle was using manipulation and mind-bending tactics and stuff like that. And the typical sort of Scientology things where it's like, oh, you know, we'll we'll disconnect you, you know, that kind of thing. You'll never see these tigers again, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So anyway, uh, he operates this private exotic zoo in Myrtle Beach. His animals have been featured in movies such as Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Dr. Doolittle, and The Jungle Book. He apparently also was the one that was responsible for uh, the tiger that was in uh, Britney Spears' concert. Okay. Uh, So uh, there's that as well. So like Joe, he just loves his cats and wants to keep his zoo out of the hands of people like Carol. And it seems Joe will do it by any means necessary. Uh, This is actually uh, a quote by... uh, Joe Exotic, you probably do it better than me. Uh, let me see where it's, it's on uh, episode one, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find the quote. I haven't been following the article. What? I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> Was that your stepdad? Yeah. Nice. We finally heard him, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Although that'll probably get edited out, but I heard him at least. Yeah. Where's the goddamn quote? So at? maybe it's not Joe. Maybe it's uh maybe it was uh, Doc Antle. Where's it? This is my little town. Oh. Yeah, that's actually uh, this is actually Doc who says this is my little town. I'm the mayor, the prosecutor, the cop, and the executioner. And he's got a fucking big ass rifle. Because of course he's got a big ass rifle. Yeah. <laughs> So, Joe and Doc seem to believe that Carol is worse than them. She's profiting off her cats while brainwashing others to believe that they are hurting their cats. People who really love animals are rarely ruthless. Doc explained that that is exactly what Carol is, ruthless. Yeah, like you're not, and neither is uh, Joe. They're all just happy-go-lucky Tiger King. Well, you know, again, like what you were saying earlier, everyone on this sh- show is a narcissist, so they're all yeah, for sure. They're all trying to paint themselves in the best color possible, while at the same time making everyone else look like the biggest pieces of shit, or at the very least dubious to some nature. Mm-hmm. So uh, the second episode is called "Cult of Personality," and uh, this episode starts with a nine one one call. This is where uh, Saf gets uh, attacked by a tiger. This whole thing is like, what was she? What was he doing? He stuck his arm in in the in the tiger cage, and then the tiger attacked him. I don't remember honestly. Like they didn't really like explain everything, but it just. I just don't... I, that's a mystery to me. That's one of the biggest mysteries with this whole incident. I do like, remember why? them giving him some choice, like, in the hospital. Like, you can... Uh, we can uh, try to save your arm, or but it, it's going to take... Uh, take, like, years of Recovery uh, therapy. or therapy or whatever, or we can just amputate. And he's like, yeah, just amputate. And I'm like, what? Why? Why would you just... Why would you not, like... Well, it's actually two years of reconstructive surgery. I think maybe he couldn't afford it. Dude, it's your fucking arm. Two years of reconstructive surgery. You only got two. two. 
Two years of reconstructive surgery. I would do it. That's expensive. I don't care. I'd go in debt for my whole rest of my life to save my. You know how important my. Fu- I know. For me, you know, specifically being a musician and all this. Yeah. I mean, for anyone, it doesn't matter what you who you are. You need both your fucking hands. You know. Yeah. I mean, no offense to anyone out there who only has one or uh-huh. none, but you know, if you if you could have yeah. two, you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna go with the two. Except for this this person. Yeah. So uh, they show footage of Joe, and uh, he's telling customers uh, that a tiger just tore her arm off, <laughs> and and just you just be you know very matter of fact, you know just all right you know uh, uh, a tiger just tore her arm off uh, you know I'll, I can offer you a refund or a rain check, <laughs> right. So anyway, um, there's a quote here that says there's something very addicting about the feeling of power of being around these big animals. And uh, apparently it's very addicting to these particular kinds of personalities. Not really to all of us, because I can't see myself being addicted to being around tigers. I like tigers. I don't want to be in a cage with a tiger. I don't want to be that close to a tiger or a lion or a bear. No, so I'm fine with them being in their cage and me watching them from afar. I do not need to approach them at any point. So the episode uh, shifts into telling stories of different power dynamics of each zoo, each one a little different than the other. At the GW Zoo, Joe is said to be breeding his tigers and selling them across 38 different states. Uh, according to Joe, it only costs $2,000 to buy one of his tigers. And it is still illegal to buy or sell a big cat, but he's still doing it. And when you have a uh, big-name clientele like Shaq coming over and buying cats, probably spending a lot of coin on, on those cats, too. Yeah, we had people who listen to the podcast who have been to uh, yeah. Joe's uh, animal reserve the gw zoo yeah so joe selling his tigers introduces us to a former drug pin turned cat owner mario trabu uh trabue i I probably butchered his last name i'm just gonna call him mario who was the inspiration for tony montana and scarface jesus (laughs) like the real life inspiration this guy who's a fucking criminal Who's a guy who was notorious and sold cocaine and crack and all this other shit. And he was so brazen about it. Like he would have an, a message on his answering machine that would be like, hey, welcome to Mario's drugstore. What do you want? Do you want cocaine? Do you want crack? I got it. Holy shit. <laughs> and uh, this guy, the way he's portrayed in this documentary... He comes across as one of the most level-headed uh, big cat owners in the big cat community. And it's a fucking criminal. It's the guy who's the inspiration for Tony Montana. It's nuts. So he owns a private collection of big cats and other animals. He keeps them at the ZWF Zoo, which is not open to the public. But uh, through a little favor by Doc Antle... Uh, the filmmakers were able to get access to uh, his zoo and interview him for a little bit. So then we have Doc Antle. No one seems to know exactly how many wives he has. 
<laughs> the guesses from the other subjects in the documentary ranged from three to I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the feeling of power comes in. He claims his, he claims that his apprentice, apprentices come to work for him as teenagers and stay for years. He might, this guy is an older man. I don't know, maybe a little skeevy, say the least. Comes across a little groomy. Yeah. And not the cat kind of grooming. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely got that vibe from him. And then how defensive he is. And then how he says stuff like, it's it, it's uh, Shangri-La or whatever. Like, he's all talking about it like it's the greatest place ever. He's, and, like, there's no... He's like the, this. He's like this overly like, uh, just. Uh, he's got this like overbearing personality with this little bit of like, like pseudo new age hippieism sprinkled in there to make him yeah. seem like he's some, you know, alpha guru or something. Well, he actually went to uh, some yoga guy, I guess. Oh, some yoga guy. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. didn't know he went to some yoga guy. That changes everything. Yeah. So he actually stayed with this yoga guy for for a good part of his life, and then came back, and then created his tiger Shangri La. So one of these apprentices, uh, Barbara Bala Fisher, worked for Doc for almost eight years. She joined the cohesive family unit, hoping it would be a fun experience where she practiced yoga and trained animals. Because this is how he gets a lot of these young women. They're like, oh, cool, like I can leave my parents' house, which is dopey and lame, and I can go be with tigers and do yoga. Sounds like fun. And do hours of manual labor, but you don't you don't get you don't hear that part though. That, no, that comes not later. at all. Exactly. So uh she would work over twelve hours a day for only a hundred dollars a week. They were given a place to stay, but it was a roach-infested area, and it was also small. And Doc Antle apparently is one of those types that he would totally, like, just take money from from your pay if you fucked up. I mean, there's, like, a video where his shirt of his gets something on it, and then you just, just by looking at his reaction, you know when the cameras are off. He's going to be like, you know, that that's going to get taken out of your pay. Yeah. You know, buy me a new Under Armour shirt. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so when questioned about his girlfriends, uh, Doc got fired up. This is the one where Josh mentioned earlier. You were leading me down a road to say that you have to be in a cult to be a fucking tiger trainer. <laughs> So then you have Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic calls it like it is. He says, Doc has his little cult, and I have mine. Joe is married to both John and Travis, whom he met when they started working for him. And, whoa, Joe and Travis. God, but both of both of Joe's husbands, quote-unquote, are both some of just the biggest mouth-breathing morons that you will ever meet. Good Lord. Travis especially. Privately owned by Joe Exotic Tattoo, right? Right there on the on the mid mid belly. God, right? these these dudes are like <laughs> the inbred of the inbred. Like this is what happens when white people fuck one another too much, who live too close together. The gene pool gets way too small and pretty soon you end up with a Travis 
and uh and, and that's just not a good thing here's well i mean to travis it's pretty tragic uh what would happen with him but we'll get to that later but anyway um these particular uh husbands they are examples of a disturbing trend in Joe's life where he would take advantage of these less than intelligent uh in terms of edu- educated you know not n- not well educated men young men who don't quite know which way the fence they are on and are or they're addicted to drugs seemingly, and they know that Joe yeah, can that's give what I'm him saying, drugs. seemingly already addicted to drugs so they're already really into drugs specifically meth and Joe has the money to provide them with their fix and a place to stay so uh they are like sure why not I get my drugs and I have a place to stay and do my drugs yeah I'm gay right yeah, um, there, you know, and this, this is, this, you, I, he marries them both in a marriage ceremony with them both there, doesn't he? Like, they're all wearing, like, pink outfits, and. Yeah, I don't know, but I do know that, um, working at the boot rack, there were, um, gay men there who would definitely take advantage of some of the drug addicts that would hang out. Well, I don't know who was taking advantage of who, honestly, but, um. Uh-huh. So at this gay bar that I would DJ every Friday, there'd be just these these drug addicts or bums. I don't know what you whatever you want to call them. They knew it was a gay bar and they knew that if they kind of hung around and it was almost I guess you could call it a symbiotic or parasitic. Uh, no, it would be symbiotic. Parasitic is not the right way. It's like maybe symbiotic relationship. I don't know. Whatever the fuck mm. you want to call it. So what would happen is. The gay guys inside knew that the drug addicts outside wanted their drugs, and the drug addicts knew that the gay guys inside, them, them old gay guys, wanted their dick sucked, and they didn't necessarily care who did it. So there was kind of a relationship that would start going on between the two. And um, that's what this reminded me of with Joe Exotic and his two boy toys, is, you know, get them strung out on meth and then, you know, dangle that carrot over their head every time they want a meth fix. That's essentially how a lot of people get uh, get into yeah. sex trafficking, too. Which is pretty fucked up in a lot of different well, ways. Well, yeah, in, in every um, way, yeah. Yeah, every way, for sure. So the living conditions of the GW Zoo are bad, and uh, the article says that's putting it nicely, and it definitely is. I mean, like, mattresses on the floor, you know, expired meat. That's what they eat. There's a big freezer truck that brings expired meats for the cats, Employees get the first pick of whatever is on the truck, and so they could take it back to the trailer or their little homes on the property. Yeah, that was so gross. Ugh. I just think, like, you are literally dancing with food poisoning at that point. Yeah. And and as someone who had it at just as recently as December, you do not want food poisoning. That shit is, no. that shit is not a joke. Not at Especially all. Especially if it's a bad case of food poisoning. Yeah, so all employees live in one of the four mobile homes on the property. The nice one doesn't have air conditioning or even an oven. And that's a nice one. <laughs> well, the thing is, is what Joe does is all a lot of these people are, you know, ex-cons or people who are freshly yeah. out of jail. and Or people who are just 
they don't have anywhere to go. And I feel like, you know, Joe knows the gas stations that these guys get dropped off at after they get out of prison. It's like, hey, would you like a chance to work and, you know, have a place to stay and, and food to eat and make 150 bucks a week? Come with me. And he's yeah. kind of able to take and, and his it, pick. And it, it makes it look like he's some kind of humanitarian. But re in reality... He's an opportunist. He's an opportunist. Exactly. Um... There was this other guy who was uh, working with Joe, who was a filmmaker uh, or or producer. I love that guy. And, he's, yeah, he's he, great. He is just straight up honest the entire yes. time. He's like, this guy was a fucking train wreck. I would be stupid to not film this guy. You know, yeah. he wanted me to produce his little web show. It's like, yeah, I'll produce your little piss ant web show, but I let me film you the entire time. He, you know, I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna uh, base my retirement off of this guy. You know, because he knew, he knew once he got all that footage, as soon as he was able to turn it into like a documentary or sell it to the I right mean, look people, how big this documentary yeah, is. Yeah, so he like was that, that reality show would have been. Huge. Oh yeah, he was. So he was right in knowing and and seeing that potential. You know, he's definitely uh, was on top of that. It would have been a big um, hit. There's already so many of those ridiculous shows on TLC, but I think with those, it's like, it, it, I think people are just sick of these. Some people have said it's like Honey Boo Boo with, with Tigers. Well, see, the thing about, and that's the that's what I'm talking about. You got all these shows on yeah. TLC, and I think people are just, they. I think, you know, they've realized that shows on those kind of networks are scripted. Even though they say they're not, it's like it, it, you know, the the TL- oh no, this is real bullshit. It's 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 all the guy's uh, Rick Kirkham. Yeah, Rick Kirkham. Um, so I think with this Tiger King series, it's so fucking real because yeah. it's going off of footage that was taken, you know, by Joe himself. You think it's just scripted soap opera or just reality TV? bullshit but it's like real i can honestly tell i feel like at this point i can tell when something's scripted and something isn't even if it's a, a quote-unquote yeah. reality show well i've seen some reality shows where they have like a fight and you're just like come on you are all just horrible actors well, i mean first like, of all like, the camera work is the first thing you'll notice <laughs> yeah. like there'll be some kind of fight they'll have like an establishing like wide shot of everything <laughs> yeah. and then they cut to some woman's face mouth agape with her hands over her mouth and then they cut to a close-up <laughs> of the fight, and then they cut to someone else, and then they cut to an exterior shot of the house, and then they go to commercial break. And it's like, you know, if you're just the average dumbass, you'd think you're watching some real thing. No, that is all just this very cleverly cut-together scene that's going to be their money shot. But with this Tiger King show, it's just like a one-camera thing because it was it was Joe's footage for the most part. And so you're just, you know, and, and these network shows, first of all, would never show uh, images of, you know, like the shit they show on Tire King, like Joe just firing his gun off oh, yeah. into the air. And they wouldn't promote any of that. That would that would their advertisers would uh, be furious, you know, but this is totally unfiltered, unabashed, uh, pure redneck at its finest. So, you know, it's yes. like I could tell this shit is not scripted. So, uh then with that being said have, i will say uh, with that being said joe is an actor though who's constantly acting oh yeah even for sure but he's just a- he's playing for a camera even if there wasn't even yeah, a camera exactly there. so then we have the big cat rescue 
she has hundreds of volunteers that work full time for her, some working 12 hours a day. They are volunteering. They are not paid for any of the work that they are doing, which is pretty messed up. I doubt that Carol doesn't make any money for any of this stuff because she actually charges people money to come see her tigers. So uh, she's still making money off of this. Which makes her whole crusade against trying to ban the the ownership of big cats really puzzling to me. Because wouldn't that affect you as well? Right. Or is she just thinking that she'll put in some loophole in there because she's glad-handing enough of these politicians that they'll... Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it, in her in her mind, she's, she's not. You know, she's she, she's holier than you know Joe Exotic, and you know that that flower crown might as well be a crown of thorns. Yeah, right. Like she thinks she's Tiger Jesus. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so anyway, um, with her panty with yeah, her panty vol- waist of a husband that she's with now. Oh my God, that that photo of their like honeymoon or something. Where she's got him with a leash on and like a fake like tiger uh like ears on top of his head. I think he's wearing like a tiger costume. And did, and isn't did he? you like how he looked kinda similar to her her late husband? Yeah, a little bit. You know, it was kinda like, wow, okay. Just filling filling in with another but yeah, one. Yeah, that guy's totally a limp dick. Yeah. One hundred percent. So I think he's into some kinky stuff, though. Too, oh, he, he like that photo. He's probably the sub, and she's the dom. <laughs> yeah, totally. exactly. One hundred percent. So she, uh, Joe, even says uh, she's not a stupid woman. She makes everyone else do her dirty work. Yeah. Yes, that's fun. That's I mean, funny. That's funny coming from thing, Joe. Now, now we know what we know. Yeah. Exactly. But the volunteering thing, like, she has these different levels, like Doc, but like. It seems like it takes even longer for you to get to uh, a particular level. So you start off with this particular color of shirt. And then you do that for a year or two or sometimes more than that. And then you go then you go up to another shirt and then you go up another level of shirts. And then until you get to like if you've been working there for like five, six, seven years, then you get like a was it a dark blue shirt or some shit. And, and like now you're like the highest level employee, but you still don't get paid anything. It's just crazy that so many people just fall into this trap, like devoting most of their lives to this tiger community, this con, this uh, the sanctuary, doing free labor for this woman. Well, that's one of the tenets of cults. I feel like is you you change the person's. Uh perception of what is important and what is not important yeah and you know with scientology and all these other religions you know they'll make them work you know 20 hour days and they're making you know 50 cents an hour and, and they've they've brainwashed them to realize that money is not important this greater thing that we're working towards is the true truly the important thing your you as an individual uh, do not matter as much as the greater good of the collective that we're working. Yeah, I mean, a complete like cult mentality to a certain degree. Definitely. So, um, the 
there are also some stuff about uh, Carol's uh, place where Joe starts this whole campaign against her because he sees a, a picture on Facebook that shows uh, these rabbits that were freshly killed and are going to be fed to the tigers. And you have these volunteers who have these big ass grins on their Shitting faces. Grins. Yeah. And so he starts sharing that, showing that, you know, Carol's a sicko and bunny killer and da 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 da. And one hand, I get why they're kind of up their butt hurt about this whole campaign. But on the other hand, why do you, why are you so accepting of your volunteers smiling like that, carrying dead rabbits? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's one of these pictures where... Even when you get the context, yeah, it's still... Context is, like, key when it came to that picture. But even, yeah, even with the context, and according to the volunteers, it's like, yeah, we were really happy because our favorite tiger was about to get fed or whatever. And that's why we look so happy. And, I mean, I guess you could make the case that, like, well, if these people do this every day or, you know, almost every day for however many years, then I guess you at some point do become desensitized to things like killing and slaughtering yeah. and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, like God knows the amount of uh, pictures I see here down in the south with these big old fat rednecks who are holding up a, a dead deer by the antlers with its fucking tongue hanging out. And they're just like, <laughs> like. It's like, wow, look what I did. I dressed up like trees and hit up in a in a tree stand and put, you know, bait out that the deer will go to. And then I shot it like a fucking pussy up in the tree, like yards and yards away. And now look at me holding up its head and, and like I actually did anything of worth. It's like, no, you were a complete bitch about it. And uh, I mean, what, what do you expect people to go in and, and fucking kill a ra- a deer Rambo style dude, with a knife in their bare that hands? That would be the only way I re- I would respect that picture is if they killed it <laughs> like that. If you fucking go mano a mano with the animal and you're able to overtake it, then fine. And even then, only if the animal was charging you and you came out on top, yeah. then yeah, that's one thing. But like, that's just, I don't know, man. And I, there's probably some people who enjoy hunting who listen to this, I but uh, I just personally think it's... Uh, or it's like the people who catch like a big-ass fish and then they're like, look what I did. You know, see, with fishing, it's a little different because it's, you know, I know I know it's hypocritical to act like this, but like to me, fishing, it's like when you're dealing with fish, it's like, eh. They're so, they're so di- uh, different from, you know, mammals to me. Like, uh, they're so disconnected in my, in my brain. Well, I mean, I would say catching a fish is is a little bit more difficult than you know shooting a, a deer, um, but mm. it, it's all it, it's all one of those things where I'm just not. I'm it just depends on what kind of fish. It just like it depends okay. on the situation when it comes to the hunt with the deer or the bear. Look, here's or here's my thing: is. is I've made peace with the fact that I enjoy eating animals, and that's fine. Yeah, but I at the same time. I personally don't want to uh, kill an animal myself, and I'm uh-huh. I'm, pr- I'm pretty against any kind of animal. Well, I'm against animal yeah. cruelty a- across the board, but I'm pretty against just just uh, leisure killing. You know, like like hunting mm-hmm. and fishing and all that. Well, yeah. Like I'm, I mean, pretty against that in general. Just for me personally, if you do it, that's that's fine. That's great. You and your papa used to do it. Great. I'm not yeah. trying to piss on your childhood memories or anything but i'm just i mean my dad loved fishing he loved nothing more uh-huh. than fishing i didn't there are a lot of people who fish who just 
they catch the fish and then they let it go. Which is crazy because it's like you just gave that fish an unwanted lip piercing that they didn't ask for. Like, oh, I'm just a fish. Uh, I know. Uh, cool. Hey, look, there's one. Oh, my God. I got a lip piercing. Oh, my j- God. They didn't even have the yeah. courtesy of putting a fucking metal hoop in there so I can look cool. They just like literally <laughs> ripped a hole in my. I'm just imagining emo fish. Yeah. Emo, finding, finding Nemo. Finding Emo. Uh, you see that shit all the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. But no, I feel you on leisure killing, especially when it comes to like endangered animals like oh like these, uh, the know, Jim, jimmy john go, ceo yeah they go to africa and shoot elephants and shit yeah fuck you um but I, really what that is is a dick measure oh yeah also i was gonna say that 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 screams of small dick energy right there like when you when you have to resort to doing that kind of stuff like oh i have to kill a rhino with a high-powered gun from from very far away uh, and then post pictures of it to show people how much of a man I am. It's like, dude, that shows me how a I'm the Tiger King shows me how a potentially <laughs> sociopathic you are, and b just how yeah. small of an acorn your dick that, must be. That's the other thing too. I'm the Tiger King, <laughs> like Joe Exotic. Right, I get it. But anyway, uh, Carol is uh, then accused of uh, killing her first husband and feeding him the, to the tigers, which is where this episode ends, on a, a cliffhanger with some footage from the music video, which is just a laugh riot, like here, Kitty Kitty, where this Carol Baskin lookalike is feeding pieces of meat, which is insinuated to be her husband to these tigers. Oh, yeah, that video was fucking... <laughs> <laughs> the level of trolling that Joe Exotic goes through to to just to just uh, ruin this woman's reputation. He did that with the rabbits too. Like he would go in and he would dress up like a yeah. rabbit and have blood all over him, and hold up signs and shit, and go to the the big cat rescue. And that's try that's to more like hilarious than anything else, though. I mean, even if it was. Yeah happen but it's like dude you know if you fight fire with fire she it's publicity for her yeah it really it's it's not the best publicity but it's still publicity <laughs> her and him for you know for both of them it's not just publicity for him she's getting a lot of publicity with this time but i mean it's not like she didn't totally go and try to ruin his shit with the mall well exactly mall i know she's not one she's not innocent in this at all like uh she's the the bear and he thinks he's a tiger but he's really a mouse <laughs> with his uh fake bullet hole wound tattoos on his chest which is <laughs> yeah. the most bizarre tattoo design i have ever seen i thought he was just gonna have like fake scratches you know claw marks yeah that would make sense that would make more sense but <laughs> just reminded when one of the fun in the show this has nothing to do with the what, what the uh trajectory we're on here explaining the show but when that motherfucker was in front of the, when joe was in front of the camera in the lion's den talking about how none of the lions have ever harmed me and someone put lion piss on his shoe and that lion grabs his ass by his foot dr- it was a tiger. tiger whatever drags him to the ground drags his ass yeah. all around the fucking uh-huh. <laughs> the fucking uh, uh, lion den or whatever and and then he's like you bitch! <laughs> he's like firing his gun at it, and then like he's talking about how not a single person came to his aid. They all just sat there and watched. 
Yeah, because that's later on when he shows his true colors. Right, right. Shows his real his true stripes. But just the whole the whole image of him just being dragged down to the ground by one of these tigers and and then swearing. Yeah, it's just fucking hilarious. But um, all right, so that's get off of me, you bitch. <laughs> so that's part. That's episode two, and so I guess we'll yeah. stop here. So what do you what do you think about you know, So what do you think about uh, Joe Exotic's music videos? Because that that segues into the last uh, little bit. We're yeah, his about. music, man. That's that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother bag of worms. Like, good lord. Um, first of <laughs> all, and you told me that. I think you sent me an article saying something like uh, his music was fake, like he didn't really yeah, sing. Yeah, we're on. gonna get to yeah. that. Yeah, I could just let me just tell you right now. When I heard his high pitched, very uh, you know, southern gay timbre, and then I heard his songs, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I'm the Tiger King, bad, bad, and this low, yeah. this low country draw." Also, tigers. Yeah, you I'm know. thinking to myself, there is no way here, kitty, kitty. There's no way that 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 voice is coming out of that man. It sounded like fucking Toby Keith. Yeah, you know, you're like, nah. Yeah, you may kind of look like Toby Keith, a, a shrunk Toby Keith, Toby like Keith. fucking <laughs> inbred, fucking I, mentally deficient brother. Um, <laughs> but no, his music was awful. Uh, the videos were just your, your the green screen. Oh yeah, the the <laughs> just the bad green screen. Uh, the 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 flamboyant thinking thinking that his all there is to cinematography and music videos is just literally pointing a, a you know like a DSLR camera out at someone and just having them do their scene or whatever. Like not not taking into effect any kind of cinematography or lighting or yeah. filters or anything to actually make it look like something that might actually be like shown on TV or uh-huh. all this stuff is very internet quality. All the music videos. You see, he's standing on top of uh, the pickup truck with his cowboy. Yeah. Hat like, like, just... okay. If you shot that a certain way, it could have looked a lot more cinematic, but you just did this wide shot of your stupid ass standing on this truck and it just looks so <laughs> amateur and so corny, but and it's all behind a green screen too. He put a, like fake ass clouds in the. Well, background. no, he he keyed out the sky. He so he probably he probably yeah. did like a blue uh, a key out effect, and so it keyed the sky out, and then he put in you know his own sky that had all these dramatic clouds and shit, and you can see through the branches that it didn't the the keying yeah. effect didn't grab all the blue because <laughs> you can still see some of the original sky mixed with uh, his little gray sky, so it looks yeah you know, that's it's. it's so it's a little details, people. That's what really makes makes it breaks uh, a music video from looking uh, self made or professionally made. And I'd like to think, but it's still it's still gold though, but in a different yeah oh yeah oh way. yeah absolutely absolutely. I'd like to think that that my band, after me doing like six music videos for my band at this point, I'd like to think every time I get better and better at getting more cine. Uh, cinematic shots. Well, I gotta be honest. Like, even for your earlier work, is better than you know anything that Joe Exotic. Well, has yeah, I mean, put together. Yeah, I, I, w- I would have to agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, so this is an article from Vanity Fair. Uh, they uh, contacted the musicians that are actually responsible for those infamous songs, uh, Vince Johnson and vocalist Danny Clinton both of whom are listed in Tiger King's credits, but Joe guarded this secret fiercely. And uh, producer Rick Kirkham is interviewed by Vanity Fair, and he says, it was absolutely ridiculous. 
Kirkham spent years living on Joe's now shattered zoo, filming footage for a prospective reality show. One time, Joe got a little bit drunk and high, and we actually coaxed him into singing a part of one of the songs. He couldn't even hold a tune. It was just so ludicrous. It was a big joke within the crew and the staff, and it wasn't him singing in the videos, but he was damned insistent to anyone and everyone, including us in my studio crew, that that was him. Unbeknownst to Kirkham and the staff, Joe had tracked down Johnson and Clinton and convinced them to produce customized cat songs for free. The musicians had a proven record personalizing lyrics to clients' needs. Johnson said that a song they wrote about Meineke's poor service... Commissioned by an unhappy customer was what won over Joe. Oh my god. I, I honestly kind of want to hear that. This shit just gets better and the, better. The Meineke's Poor Service uh, song. Can you can you uh, put that in? Can you do? Post. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, put maybe if you can find it, maybe put it in a post. But what do you think that would sound like? Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Joe Exotic. Mina Key. It's not actually Joe Exotic. It's just going to remind me. Yeah, Johnson. Clinton and Johnson. So anyway, uh, apparently that won over Joe, but he had not yet broken through any major market uh, as a recording artist. That's that's, uh, the two of them, actually. Uh, The way that it was set up is a little awkward. So anyway... uh, Well, how did... Joe contacted Johnson... What? How did they manage to uh, finagle uh, his performance in uh, when he actually sang one of his songs live on the uh, one of the episodes for the funeral? Whose name I will not I mention because I don't want to spoil. He probably just uh, lip synced that too, like other artists do. Yeah, maybe. So Joe contacted Johnson, explained that he was a large cat owner operating a private zoo in Oklahoma. And he said he needed music for a reality show that was the subject of a bidding war between Animal Planet, Discovery, and National Geographic. Nice. Johnson agreed to work pro bono in exchange for the potential exposure his music could get on cable TV. The first song Johnson and Clinton recorded was I Saw a Tiger, an ode to Joe's life passion. The creative process for the song and the tunes that followed was simple. Joe would give Johnson a subject, Joe's late brother, or the nut in Ohio who was a friend of Joe's who let his big cats loose or a biker's club, and the duo would turn around a track within two weeks. I had no idea he was going to Milli Vanilli the songs. Johnson wrote to Vanity Fair in an email. It was a couple of months and two or three songs as a collaboration when I was on YouTube one night and just happened to look up Joe Exotic. And there he was, lip-syncing acting like the ghost of Elvis. And I called him up. I was hot. And he bamboozled me about his reality show that it was coming soon, and he would make everything right as rain. I just wanted the proper credit. Johnson and Clinton went along with the ruse for a while, thinking their music might finally make it to air, until it was clear that there would never be a real Joe Exotic reality show beyond the lo-fi content Joe was producing for his YouTube channel. When it finally ended, I told him that they could have filmed Gone with the Wind for all I cared, let alone a crummy reality show starring a jerk-off con man kook. Johnson said. Uh, Matus uh, Gulgalka, who produced some of Joe's music videos, told Vanity Fair that Joe went to extraordinary lengths to insist that he was writing and recording his own country music. One tactic involved telling staffers on a Monday that he spent the weekend at Dallas recording a new song, a brazen lie, considering Joe had interacted with said staffers the whole weekend in Oklahoma. 
we knew he didn't go record a song, but you didn't question Joe. You just roll with it, said uh, Gugalka, who began working for Joe at age 22 after moving to the U.S. from Poland. He would not give us any notice about shooting music videos. He would just wake up one morning sometimes and say, we're going to shoot a music video today because I had a dream pretty much of how I want it to look. And then he would show up dressed like a priest. <laughs> Which I don't get that whole thing. Like, what the fuck was... What was the whole priest? Uh, cowboy. I have no fucking idea. He was he probably smoked a particularly strong meth rock that morning, and he just got that idea. Who knows? I got it. I'm gonna be a cowboy priest let that be a lesson to you artists out there whenever someone's promising you to uh pay, your payment is going to be an exposure run the other fucking way because it's never worth it yeah so i think he was trying to start his own church at the zoo claimed gogalka <laughs> can you imagine if he fucking did that it would be like it would be like the strip club uh and church combo and mcmillions <laughs> And McMillions. Which is another great documentary that we're... It'd just be, it'd just be uh, the Tiger Zoo, the Tiger King Church. The Church of the Tiger King. Oh my god. I don't know if he was doing this for tax reasons or that he just wanted to get people married. There were times where he wanted to start his own church. And there would be people who would. They would do it. They would get married at the GW Zoo with uh, crazy Joe Exotic as their priest. Saying, you know, and now you can kiss the bride. Kiss my ass. Uh, the filming process for the videos was pretty bare bones, though Joe managed to rustle up occasional shimmers of production value. Uh, the music video for Guardians of Children about the bikers who protect abused children in our country features a group of children clapping kumbaya, like between a shot of Joe lip syncing on a highway overpass, his bare tattooed torso visible under a leather jacket, and Joe in a priest uniform, handlebar mustache, and baseball hat, serenading a newborn at night. Sounds like a fucking train wreck. The video for the piano heavy My First Love features Joe in the dark, sitting at what could be a piano or a table saw. Everything from Joe's forearm is down out of frame, staring into a glowing candle and what looked to be pink roses added in post. Sometimes I had two cameras pointed at him. We just record two different angles and maybe 50 different times and then pick the take where his mouth lined up with the music. I'm a musician myself and I was just flabbergasted by the sheer fakeness of his presentation, says Romeo Dupuy, a producer who impulsively moved to Oklahoma to work with Joe after he saw a Craigslist posting following a breakup with his girlfriend. He couldn't even play the guitar, so we would pose him. And when we shot him playing these songs, he would be behind grass to cover up his hands. And then he lip sync. But there's something about Joe that is strangely magnetic. Even if he is a con man, those he con can't argue that John's got some kind of gonzo charisma. Yeah, more and more I'm starting to like realize that that uh, Joe Exotic is like the southern redneck Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Like in more ways than one. Definitely. Thankfully Tommy That's a good way Tommy to Wiseau didn't it. end up in jail though, so No. If he if he did, he'd be like, I did not. I did not hit her. I did not. I didn't do oh it. God. <laughs> All right. I'm about pooped out from talking. 
Uh, that's the podcast, ladies and gents. We'll be doing part two. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll switch to uh, weekly for for the time being, since this uh, virus and shit. You know, I have. I mean, I'm I'm much more open with my schedule. I don't know about you, Mike. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll we'll switch back to weekly uh, for until uh, you know everyone gets back to work and shit resumes to life as normal. Uh, but until then, you can. Uh, Hit us up on Patreon. Like I said, I'm going to have my um, Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal information in the description of this uh, podcast since I don't have the luxury of living with my parents uh, and I do have a lot of bills and no money to pay that. Well, very little money to pay them currently. Um, And so, yeah, so that'll be there if you want to do that. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, you can go there and check out some of the benefits. Um, if you want to check out me and Mike separately, you can check out our YouTube channels. Mike is youtube.com. Oh, I almost forgot about our group. If you want to join our Facebook group on Facebook and talk of all things mystery, Tiger King, and anything else, uh, go to facebook.com and type in uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, go to the groups tab, and uh, we should be the first one that pops up. We've been getting a lot of rando requests recently. I think it's some kind of algorithm on Facebook that just suge- I know. Yeah, it just suggests our group to people who have nothing to do with our podcast. I had to kick someone out recently because they were trying to... What happened was there was somebody who joined the group and uh, got through all the protocols and apparently decided to use our group to scam people by getting them to buy a coupon or a ticket or whatever that would enable them to get a discount on medical supplies from some shady website. So, and the way the poster would uh, pose this particular uh, prose, he would have it be, make it all kind of guilty kind of thing, guilt trip kind of deal. Yeah, he would he would kind of he would try to paint it as if oh, uh, uh, it's a rough time right now. But look, you can take advantage of this opportunity. You know that kind like of that shit. Cocksucker with the hand sanitizer surplus. Yeah, the 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 guy who had eighteen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer on the wall. Piece of shit. And uh, and then he had to uh, just give it away for free to his community yeah but anyway which is what should have happened join our group uh if we're talking about good people though i want to bring something up to the opposite of the spectrum when it comes to uh people doing good deeds in this crisis and one of them is arnold schwarzenegger like he is doing some amazing things right now he uh, has donated a million dollars to uh research and he's also spent other large sums of money he just spent a, a, a huge chunk of change recently to buy a ton of different medical supplies and masks to uh, give to medical personnel in, in his area. Um, so, yeah. I mean, as if I didn't need another reason to like the man. I mean, he's fucked up. He's made his mistakes. Uh, the whole adultery, you know, uh, cheating on, on his uh, wife sort of thing was going on with the maid. But, and his politics... His political career was a mixed bag, to say the least. But 
he's doing some genuinely uh, good things right now. So I want I wanted to definitely give him a shout out for that. He needs he needs to come out with an autobiography if he doesn't already have one in audiobook form. I think I think he does have an autobiography. I mean, God knows I don't want him narrating the autobiography, <laughs> but uh, I would like to know his story because why not? Jesus Christ, <laughs> that would be difficult. You're not gonna listen to to Arnold dude. back when I was in Austria. When I came to America, I was very excited <laughs> to be American. That was very fun. That's why viel Spaß. That's why sehr toll. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's really weird hearing all Schwarzenegger. If you ever want to, uh, if you ever want an interesting uh, YouTube experience, type in Arnold Schwarzenegger speaking German. It's so weird because mm-hmm. he's got that same. Familiar accent, but this, but it, it's like right, you know, it finally makes sense. Yeah. Like, hey, the thing, he's finally speaking a language with an accent that matches the language. It actually sounds Austrian. Right? And another yeah. thing that's weird, while you're doing that, type in Sandra Bullock speaking German. She grew up with, I think her mother was German and she grew up bilingual. She can speak fluent German, which wow. is very bizarre to see as well. Interesting. Um, but anyway, join our group, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries on Facebook. Um, and then on YouTube, if you want to check out me and Mike separately, Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP Communications. He is a movie guy. He likes talking about the movies. What was the last video you did, Mike? So uh, the last video I just uh, uploaded today, actually, it w- it's the first part of a, a multi-part series of videos I'm going to be doing called The Lost Film Files, where I look at uh, sections from the Lost Media Wiki and other sources that have information about lost sequences from films that were deleted or never found, or lost films or unfinished movies. So stuff that I I genuinely find interesting. So a little bit something different, because I use my screen recorder and I look at the articles and I even have some video at some point, so... Uh, not the typical sort of thing, uh, you normally see on my channel, but it's something that I got a lot of time now. I know, right? I've always wanted to do so, and it helps keep my mind off of some things. And it's an easy thing for me to sit down and do because I don't have to worry about looking presentable or, you know, doing multiple different takes to make sure I have the right, uh, combination of things that I want to say. There's a lot of stuff I can just do off the top of my head. With the with this particular series, I also posted reviews of Birds of Prey, the 2020 uh, DC comic book film. I also did one for Shazam and a big long epic profanity filled rant on Captain Marvel. I hated that movie. <laughs> the movie sucks. That was the one that took but, place uh, in the yeah. 90s, right? Yeah, and it didn't really look much like the 90s. They did not do a very good job at all, other than showing her fall into a blockbuster in one scene. And then she wears a nine-inch nail shirt, but it's, like, clearly fake. It's clearly a bootleg. The 90s is such a, like a hard time to fuck up because it's so recent that I know. it's not like you gotta go... The film, the film mid-90s captured it perfectly when did they did a really good job capturing the 90s aesthetic and and when did that come out in that film it came out last year i think and i still need to see it actually i've just seen the trailer and i was just like wow looks like a good drama i think seth was it seth rogan who directed it i think he might have directed it Hmm. 
mid-90s. But yeah, it's not like a, it's not like a period piece like the 60s where there's all these kind of cars you have to get and these built... Or like a 30s Yeah, know, the clothes and all that. It's like, 90s is so easy to do still. Like, how do you fuck that you up? You ever see that movie? Yeah, they didn't really do a very good job at all. Well, go over to Mike's channel. You can see all that <laughs> and more. If you want to subscribe to me on YouTube, I am... Allergies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Calm down, everyone. Uh, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. And I do mainly videos about music, uh, music history, you do that Trent music history, video, music, right? little, little micro documentaries. Um, I talk about, uh, some TV shows every now and then, uh, I used to talk about video games a lot more. Haven't done a video game video in a while. I might do another one of those, uh, here soon. I have a lot more fucking time to work on my YouTube channel, which I'm happy about. The last video I did that uh, Mike alluded to is um, it's called Did Trent Reznor Forget How to Write a Hook? Um, I made that video after listening to his two recent albums, Ghost 5 and Ghost 6. Uh, they were just, you know, your run-of-the-mill ambient, kind of gloomy ambient albums. And I guess taken in, in combination with my frustration over the last like four or five albums that he's put out, I just finally was like, God damn, has this guy forgotten how to write like a good song that's got like a catchy bit to it that makes you want to come back and listen to more? Like, has he just completely forgotten? And it was a legitimate, legitimate question I had in my head. So I made the video and put a lot of passion into it. And um, and you triggered a bunch of Nine Inch Nails As I fans. knew I would. I started the video. I, <laughs> I literally started the video off by saying Nine Inch Nails fans fall into two categories. The first category are people who are willing to drink Trent Reznor's bathwater. And the second category are people like me who feel like they haven't put out a good album in the last 13 years. Um, well, I mean, I feel you. I mean, it's kind of like with certain actors. I'm a big fan of Stallone, but I'm not just going to... Uh, suck off every film that he's in just because he's in it. Right, it's called and being people... an objective fan. Like you're not blinded yeah. by this per. Like you see that like they're fallible. They can you hold you hold them up to the same scrutiny that you'd hold anyone else up to. It's like yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna lie and say Escape Plan two and three or shit like Backtrace are good. No, they are shitty films. Yeah, and Stallone, I know he's capable of doing much more. And since I know he's up there in age, it's like, why are you wasting your time with this direct-to-video bullshit? Like, do a drama. Do a serious film. Direct serious dramas like Clint Eastwood. Like, just, I know you're capable of all of that, and that would be a much better use of your time than these direct-to-video pieces see, of that's shit. A, that's, you're not Steven Seagal, that's the thing. Stallone. Like, as soon as you start <laughs> saying stuff like that, you get all these internet trolls going, uh, first of all, Sylvester Stallone doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't have to uh -huh. listen to you. Yeah. Uh, who the fuck are you? Why don't you go out and make a great film, you piece of shit, virgin, living in your mom's basement? Uh -huh. Like, that's like the... It, it, it. I love that argument, like, oh, you know... You can't criticize this individual or this musician or this filmmaker or this actor because you weren't making films yourself. That is like the craziest argument ever. So that means the only other people allowed to criticize art are, are other people making art. And they're the most biased people. Yeah, I know, right? Possible. Like they're not clouded by uh, any uh, anything at all. They're going to be completely fair. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Like it's the it's the public that consumes the art, so of course we're going to be the ones who are going to critique it 
And that's all I was doing. I was critiquing Nine Inch Nails' last few albums that he's put out. And, you know, it was my personal opinion. And that's another thing people fail to realize is that, hey, fuck nuts. It's my opinion. You don't, you don't yeah, got to exactly. agree with it. No. You, you don't have to... Well, even if, even if you say in the video multiple times, if you ha- especially if you have a controversial opinion, like the Dark Knight is overrated, you're gonna, you know, even if you say something like, it's just my opinion, if you think it's a masterpiece, I don't have a problem with that, even if you say that multiple times, because you have a, an opinion that to these individuals is wrong... They're going to have a stick up their ass. Yeah, I have noticed that. And they want to take it out and beat there, you with There it. is no insurance policy. Like, saying this is just my opinion is is not an insurance policy with these people. They will still come at you anyway, and that that just falls on deaf ears telling them that it's just your opinion. Like, they will still... And this isn't the first time I've, I've released a video. A bunch of Nine Inch Nails fans or, or uh, Christopher Nolan fans who think they're Nolan kings or Nine Inch Nail kings, you know, this kind of stuff. Well, the whole thing is, is like literally it gets to a point to where it's like, man, you guys literally have an excuse for every album that Trent puts out that's not good. Like you have an excuse as to how, no, actually it is good. You're just not listening to it the right way. Or actually he was doing this because he stubbed his toe that morning and he wasn't quite, you know, in the right mind space. So you have to, it's like, no, I don't care about any of that shit. I don't care. Like, I don't, I I shouldn't have to uh, dig deeper. I shouldn't have to know, like, what he ate for breakfast that day and he had an upset stomach. That's why the album wasn't that good. I don't care about any of that. At the end of the day, when I listen to it, does it sound good to me or does it not? And I just feel like the last four or five albums he's done have Uh been very, they've been very bland. I think that kind of, that kind of reasoning is understandable if it's like a production problem. Like, there are genuinely good albums that are just lower-budgeted affairs that don't really have the same kind of production values as later albums might, for whatever reason. So, sometimes there is something to be said about that. Like, it's not as good as it could be because of, you know, audio... Well, yeah, like, the bla- like the big uh, the big argument about all of Metallica's albums before the Black Album was there was no bass. Like, the bass guitar was completely missing in the mix yeah. because, uh, you know, James and Lars, when they were in the studio, their big priority was the vocals and guitar are loud and the drums are loud. Everything else can fuck off. So the bass yeah. was just very low in all the mixes. and But this doesn't seem like it's one no, of those instances. This, it just seems like he's making experimental yeah, he's, music he, at this he, phase He's of experimenting, his and he's, you know, and I, I even say in the video, I'm like, he's got nothing to prove anymore. You know, fine. Yeah. But I'm just... Doesn't mean you have to I'm like it. I'm just posing the question, has... It doesn't mean that you have to like, like it. Like, has he forgotten to write a hook? That's all I'm, that's all I'm asking. Because in the 90s and uh, early 2000s, he had all these songs that were still <clears throat> experimental and weird, but they also had a hook. They had a they had a yeah. groove. It happens to every artist I've noticed. Directors are not not uh, alone when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, look at Ready Player One that Spielberg directed, and then look at Jaws or Jurassic Park or any of the Indiana Jones films that he did, and look at. Compare those to Ready Player One, and you're like, wow, this doesn't even look like it's even directed by 
a legendary filmmaker. This just looks like a, a film directed by some average Joe. So I think uh, I think a lot know, of it even is, happens uh, to you know. There's hunger and there's passion in the early stages. Yeah. They have something to prove. They have a lot to lose. And so failure is not an option for them. So they're always putting their best shit forward. And then you achieve the success and you kind of rest on your laurels for a bit. And, you know, after 20, 30 years of success, you just kind of get to the point to where it's like, eh, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. I'm not hungry. I'm not, I don't have anything to lose. And there's merits to that. There are, but, sure. you know, maybe call it a different band name or, you know, preserve the integrity yeah. of like what it was. Yeah, just, just, just release it as yourself. Yeah, which. Just release it as Trent yeah, Reznor. And he, he has you know, done that before. And I, I wish he, I wish he would continue. But, but see, the thing is, is the, he knows that it's not going to get as many ears on it. Nine Inch Nails is a bigger brand than Trent Reznor, which is crazy because they're the same exact thing. But, you know, it is what it is. People are stupid. Um, He did that for the Lost Highway soundtrack. He did a lot of songs as Trent Reznor, and it sounded just like a Nine Inch Nails type vibe, you know? So it's like... It's crazy to see uh, stuff like that. You You see someone who's so talented and so good. And then, like, do projects or or work that's just not really up to the same par that that you're used to or that you've seen. Walter Hill is a fantastic director, has an amazing sense of style, but he hadn't directed for years. Comes back, does a Stallone movie called Bullet to the Head, and another one called The Assignment. You watch those two and compare them to, like, Streets of Fire or even something like 48 Hours... It, it's night and day and it's almost like what the hell happened it's like the he lost he lost his touch it happens they lose their touch right i mean i think it can happen with musicians too i think that when a lot of the there's no there's nothing at stake anymore there like you don't have to make the album you don't have to uh, go out on the road. You don't have to do all the bullshit. You know, like, I think when, when that's taken out of the equation, I think laziness can kind of set in and, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm tired of talking about it. If you want to check out the video, go to youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Uh, until next time, folks, have a good rest of your night. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. See ya. Just want to remind everyone who might be a fan of my band, Dancing with Ghosts, that we have new shirts for sale. It's like a Brady Bunch theme, but with all the characters from our music videos. If that's not a shirt you can wear to your cousin's bat mitzvah, I don't know what is. The link to purchase the new shirt is in the description of this podcast. Oh, you had one guy calling you a dumbass? I had an army. I had an army of Nine Inch Nails fans calling me every name in the book. Oh, because you did a video? Oh, yeah. I did a video on uh, Trent Reznor, like, shadow dropped two uh, new albums, uh, uh, like, a week ago. Oh, is ago. that the one where you're like, it sounds, they sound the same? They don't sound the same. They just sound like, uh, they're, they're just, they're, they're ambient albums. They're, they're, yeah. they're, you know, there's very little instrumentation. It's very sparse, you know, very, um, not not very exciting listens. Uh, I wouldn't even yeah. say it's good music to put on if you're studying, because it, it, even though it's um, ambient, it's very dark ambient. It sounds like looming and 
creepy. Just put like, you in a bad mood. Yeah, it just puts you in a fucking weird mood. It, honestly, it does. And and you know, Trent's known for doing that with his music, but. Uh, I just saw there was no like songs on the album. They uh-huh. were all just these long winded ambient pieces. And so I kind of I made a video saying, has Trent Reznor forgotten how to write a hook? That's what I titled the video. Yes, yeah. I admit it's it's clickbaity, but that's how I felt. And that's how I feel. And there was nothing clickbait about it because that's exactly what I talked about in the video. Uh-huh. And um, the algorithm God smiled upon me because that video is doing really well. And um well, in a bad way, not in a good way. It's got a lot of views, but it's got a lot of hate, too. And, I mean... Here's the thing, though. On, on the internet and on YouTube, whatever uh, traction or whatever type of uh, attention you get is usually good. Because uh, if you have your AdSense or whatever still... Um, you make just as much money from the negative, hated videos exactly. as you do from the liked ones. Oh, yeah, I know. It's sometimes more yeah because of the fact that you become infamous or people flock to your video just to hate on it but it it just still brings attention to you and your channel so ultimately it's not uh that big of a deal uh and you know at least at least you got people going to the source yeah and leaving comments and being pissy or whatever instead of making separate videos with a sonic uh profile picture talking about how you need to uh, get a life and stop being a virgin because uh, you don't uh, agree with their opinions on something. It's and, it's hilarious. Like the lengths people yeah. will go to like tear you apart and make you feel bad. Like, um, you know, but I, I just laugh my ass off at the kid. It's yeah. a fucking kid with a Sonic profile picture talking shit about me. The video has Sonic. As the main fucking is this a new one image? It was a fairly new one, yeah. Oh, too. you got you got to send me a link to that. I got to check that out. That's gonna be hilarious. I love watching. <laughs> I love watching when people make like hate like like video responses to your video. I haven't had one yet, thankfully. But yeah, well, I should say I, I would like to have these, one. These are hilarious because I'm blocking people like this for just leaving random nonsense on my page because I don't like a friend of mine. So he's already blocked most of these people from his channel. So they're flocking to my channel and then randomly posting things like, your friend Matt is a tool and a fucking dumbass. And I'm just like, fuck you. And I just ban them. Well, because- and, then, and then because I block them because they're just trying to use my channel as a shit-talking forum for a, a very close friend of mine, they then try to lump in the same criticisms that they have against him to me and it's just it's just hilarious it really is yeah for me since i have before i colored my i highlighted the front of my hair uh teal uh you know i already had uh, tattoos and a lip ring and shit so i got all kinds of shit for that and now Uh since i've dyed my hair my lip ring gets a pass because now all people can talk about is uh, oh, I'm still a fag and I'm still a cocksucker and all that, you know. <laughs> but now I'm a blue-haired fag uh, who is a, uh-huh. who, who is a cocksucker instead of a lip-ring fag who's a cocksucker. So surprised they didn't uh, call you Sonic. <laughs> no, I mean that would have been slightly clever. And these trolls don't have a clever bone in their body. Yeah. They just resort to playground level insults. I know that's usually what I run into is playground level insults. Yeah, or um, or they but, go uh, after your intellect. We're gonna be. We're going to be seeing a lot more of that stuff uh, now because of the fact that most people are going to be locked 
in their rooms or in their homes with nothing but their computers to communicate with uh, the outside world. Um, that's the that's the most uh, other than the unfortunate uh, amount of people who have been infected and uh, have died because of this virus. 